Welcome to the Plant Witch Podcast, where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of the Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? Welcome to episode 10 of the Plant Witch Podcast. For the first nine episodes, we've been in the deep subconscious, looking at the ways that we experience and perpetuate suffering as humans and tending the roots of our subconscious and unconscious spaces. That's where a lot of our magic um, exists and where it's most potent. Now that we've um, been in those the deep, dark realms together, we'll start to move from a place of this solid knowing and solid foundation into the work of practical magic. So um, we'll start with the heart. The heart is the seat of power and integration in this human ecosystem. In the work of alchemy, we talk about the principles solve and coagula. During the process of solve, we allow form to dissolve and truth falls out and crystallizes during this dissolving process. Then from that truth, a new form emerges. This is called coagula. And this process is like breathing. It's like tides ebbing and flowing. It's like the movement of moon phases and solar seasons. It's a rhythm. We dissolve, we reform, we grieve, we love, we lose, we gain. We compost, we sprout. This is the movement of life on this planet. And that rhythm is kept by the endless drumbeat of the heart. Our hearts start beating in the embryo at about five weeks gestation. At this point, the human embryo is almost indistinguishable from a fish embryo. There are two tubes that run parallel to each other. At around five weeks, those two tubes begin to pulse to move the embryonic fluids around. At six weeks, these tubes fold into an S shape. The bottom tube becomes the atria of the heart or the two upper chambers and the upper tube coils down to become the ventricles or the two bottom chambers of the heart. By the end of the first trimester of pregnancy, the human fetus is fully formed and functioning with a heart. The human fetus's heart is fully formed and functioning. I should say the the fetus is not fully formed at the end of the first trimester, but it's getting close. Because um, when we're in that embryonic phase, we don't require oxygenation from the lungs, a small hole is um, open between the upper two chambers of the heart or the atria. This hole closes um, within a short period of time after birth for most babies. Uh, for some, that hole remains open. That's called a, pa- a patent foramen ovale. And for some babies, that... Um, opening has to be closed surgically. The human heart, it moves blood throughout our body 
And it's by this function that we're most familiar with this central organ in our bodies. The pumping motion gives us the lub-dub sound, which are the valves closing in the heart between beats. And this is what we know as our heartbeat, the sign of life, the pulse, the drumbeat of incarnation. This is the embodiment of the rhythm of life on earth within the human form. The rising and falling of the breath and the lub-dub of the heartbeat. Solve et coagula. The death and rebirth of each moment held in rhythm by the beating of the heart and the billowing of the lungs. In the more subtle realms, This rhythm is held and orchestrated by the release of hormones from the endocrine glands. This is the lesser known function of the human heart. Beyond acting as a mechanical pump, it also functions as an endocrine gland, just like the pancreas or the thyroid or the thalamus. The thymus gland rests on top of the heart and it secretes thymusin a hormone that promotes the production of T cell lymphocytes, part of our immune system. This gland is largest when we're children and is slowly replaced by mostly fatty tissue after puberty. Along with the thymus gland in the chest, the heart itself is also glandular tissue and it secretes the hormones oxytocin, atrial natriuretic peptide, brain natriuretic peptide, and C-type natriuretic peptides. These hormones are secreted in response to high pressures in the heart, stress experienced by the body, and other injury and, and illness of the heart tissue. Oxytocin specifically, which is a hormone secreted by the heart tissue, is also secreted in the brain, and it's a hormone that many of us have heard of. It's often called the love hormone, and it's produced whenever we feel affection, when we feel love for our newborn baby, when we look into the eyes of our animal companions, that warm spreading feeling across the chest, that's oxytocin. It also increases nitric oxide production in the heart, which dilates our blood vessels and lowers our blood pressure while serving as an anti-inflammatory and reducing free radicals in the body. Now on to an even more nuanced and subtle realm. The heart creates a field of magnetism and also a field of sensory perception. This field originates in the electrical circuitry of the heart where electrical impulses originate in what's called the SA node or sinoatrial node. There's a little pacemaker there that keeps the beat of the heart at a constant 70 to 100 beats a minute when we're in a resting and relaxed state. The pacemaker sends out electrical shocks, electrical impulses from the SA node down through the atrioventricular node or AV node and into the Purkinje fibers of the ventricles. This flow of cardiac depolarization is followed by muscular contraction. The rhythm of electrical flow 
followed by repolarization after muscular contraction generates an electromagnetic field. The electrical field created by the heart is approximately 60 times stronger in amplitude than the field generated by the brain, which we know to be an electrical organ. The electrical field generated by the heart can be detected anywhere on the surface of the body. This is how we get EKGs and telemetry when you're in the hospital. The magnetic field generated by the heart is a hundred times greater than the magnetic field generated by the brain. And the heart's magnetic field extends an average of three feet beyond the surface of the body. These fields fluctuate in amplitude and rhythm, as well as quality of rhythm, which they call coherence, based mainly in our emotional state. The researchers at the HeartMath Institute have found that gratitude is the emotion that most quickly regulates the electromagnetic field of the heart, creating a state they call coherence. In this state, the heart's rhythm is in harmony with the rest of the functions of the body and each beat is in harmony with the overall rhythm in a way that is variable and recovers easily from stress and exertion. Emotions like fear, shame, anger, jealousy, they create a dissonant state in the rhythm of the heart, not coherent, and are an indicator of poor health, poor recovery from stress and exertion, um, and just overall disease and unwellness. In many ways, the heart is the cauldron of integration. It brings together the water of the blood, the earth of the electrolytes that keep our heart pumping, sodium, calcium, and magnesium, the air, which is the oxygen and carbon dioxide exchange in the lungs, and the fire of the electrical impulse that creates the muscular contraction of the heartbeats and the magnetic field. It also integrates quintessence the fifth element, purpose and knowing. The heart is a sensory organ as much as all the other ways that it functions. We feel things in our hearts. We know with our heart. We see and hear with our hearts. Passion burns in our heart. These are all qualities of ether or quintessence. Research through the HeartMath Institute has shown that the field of the heart is perceptive to the field of other hearts in proximity. So my heart can sense and detect the coherence or dissonance of your heart field when we're close to each other. So our hearts tell us through into what we call intuition, but is actually a sensory perception, what's going on in the, in the body and in the heart field of the people close to us. There is some research showing that you don't actually have to be close to each other for this heart field to register disturbances, that there may be a non-local source to the heart field's ability to perceive. Um, there's, a, there's some preliminary research using um, chaotic number generators and connecting that to um, the coherent field of the heart. And when a major disaster is um, about to happen, there's a sense of coherence that happens in these random number generators that they believe is based in the precognizant function of the heart field. So that's a lot of words to say that our hearts know things that our minds don't. 
and that when the mystics told us to drop into our hearts, to listen from our heart, there was a really practical reason for that advice. With such a complex organ as the heart, it communicates so many things to us in so many different ways. And it really requires care from us and reciprocity for all the ways that it maintains our health, enlivens our life, fills us with deep feeling and passion, intuition, warmth and connection. Herbal medicine seems to be especially suited to supporting the many functions of the heart. When I think of plant medicine in conjunction with heart health, I immediately think of rose and cacao. These plants are so nourishing and so sensual and so full of enchanting magic. Cacao supports the cardiovascular system by lowering the blood pressure, increasing blood flow to the cardiac tissue, reducing inflammation, lowering cholesterol, decreasing the clotting and adherence of blood cells, which leads to cardiac arrest and uh, heart attacks and increasing the HDL levels, which is our good cholesterol. Cacao is also slightly mind altering. It shifts our mood into a more dreamy and surreal experience, as well as having been touted as an aphrodisiac and sacred sacrament for generations. The South American Mayan cacao beverage traditionally used is not sweetened with sugar. In fact, the bitter cacao is mixed with chili peppers in water. This makes an extremely warming, stimulating, and invigorating tonic to the cardiovascular system and really to the entire body. Adding milk and sugar to cacao or chocolate changes the effectiveness of its medicine and should be used with care and in limited quantities. The fruit of the cacao looks like mature breasts hanging from the wood of the tree which to me adds to the symbolism of nourishment and the mother's heart filled with that bonding hormone, oxytocin. Rose is also extremely nourishing to the heart. Plants of the rose genus include strawberries, apples, cherries, mulberries, rose hips, and rose petals. All of these plants have astringent properties, which helps to tone the cardiovascular system and bring strength and vitality to the core of the body. They're also high in vitamin C, which is a powerful antioxidant. Antioxidants reduce free radical damage in our tissues, which causes inflammation and tissue aging. There's also a spiritual medicine with rose plants that works on the emotional and electromagnetic heart. It brings a softness, an openness, a vulnerability and a tenderness that the heart often craves but has trouble expressing in this solar, young, ambition-focused culture that we're living within. Without the balance of softness and yin, the heart gets too hot, too stressed, too dried out, and tired. Rose helps to restore a sense of balance. Rose hips tea is a lovely way to enjoy this powerful medicine. I also love rose flower essence, and I find it to be deeply soothing to the hardened heart. Rose essential oil has been found to have the highest vibratory rate of all of the essential oils studied, somewhere around 320 hertz. Other plants that work especially well with the heart are motherwort, called Leonurus cardiaca, or the lion-hearted. 
Hawthorn, which is the Cretaceous species, also in the rose family. Linden flower and linden leaf. This is the Telia species of tree, also called the lime tree. Rosemary, which is Rosemarinus officinalis. Rosemary is especially good at um, encouraging cardiovascular movement. It gets the blood moving and helps to tone the cardiovascular system. And cayenne works similarly to rosemary, getting that blood moving, preventing clotting, decreasing inflammation of the cardiovascular system. We can bring these plants into our bodies as food, as tinctures or infused honeys, as beverages like tea or kombucha. We can bathe in rose petals. We can sit at the base of a hawthorn tree and contemplate the medicine of its flowers, its thorns, and its fruit. All of these are ways that we allow the plants to work their magic in us. And as we embark on relationship with them as teachers and healers and guides, our energy becomes transformed in that relationship. The heart longs for balance and reciprocity. Just as we love, we must grieve. Just as we take, we must give. Just as we work, we must rest. And as we worry, we must celebrate. Anytime this equation is chronically imbalanced, the energy field of the heart is askew. The way that we live our lives flows out of the heart and affects the health of the heart as well. Those who find this relationship too delicate or requiring too much energy can harden their hearts or cut it off from their awareness. I think of the legend of Davy Jones casting his heart into the sea in a, in a locker or a chest to protect himself from the grief of loss. This is such a good metaphor for those of us whose hearts are too delicate, too sensitive, feel too much. And just as Davy Jones transformed into a monster through his dissociation from his heart, the price of abandoning ourselves is very, very high. And I don't actually believe that any heart is too delicate or too sensitive or that any heart feels too much. Often it's just the container of our emotions and our nervous system and our learned behaviors that we don't have the skill to to tend to that deep feeling, but it can be learned. We can become strong and courageous caretakers of a truly sensitive and awakened heart. The plants, the waters, the sunrise and sunsets, intimacy and connection, passion and purpose, all in measured parts, and in relationships of reciprocity, help us come back to ourselves and to heal the heart that's overburdened by loss or anger or grief. May we all lovingly and patiently tend the cauldron of the heart so we may partake of its elixir of wisdom. Thank you for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com 
or on Instagram and Facebook at The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining me and it's time to come back to life.